What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? All right. So, like last week, we're going to start with trivia again. I was supposed to bring trivia questions this time, but I forgot. So, Nick's going to take care of those questions. Uh, yeah, so I had these prepared this morning, even though Brian forgot. And today's topic, uh, you know, not anything in particular, it's kind of random, is going to be the worst team that's in in franchise, of all the franchises in each sport. And, um, you know, this is based off of win percentage, not win-loss percentage, because obviously franchises came in and out of the league at different times, so I think the best thing, the best way to do it is based on wins and losses, um, is based on the percentage that they've won slash lost. Um, and that being said, all these teams slash franchises are going to be current teams or not teams that are out of the league anymore. Also, just to make that clear. So starting off with baseball, who has the worst, uh, worst win percentage in all of baseball? Is it A, the Miami Marlins, B, the New York Mets, C, the San Diego Padres, or D, the Colorado Rockies? Um, I think it's between C and D. So again, A would be the Miami Marlins, uh, B the New York Mets, C San Diego Padres, or D the Colorado Rockies. I'm going to go with the Padres. That is the correct answer. Padres, uh, the first MLB season was in 1969. They've played a total of 7,988 games. Um, they've won 3,747, and they've lost 4,389. With a total win loss of um, four, they've won their win percentage of forty six point one percent, which is actually pretty decent. That's not as bad as you may think. Yeah. Um, the Marlins. You know, and that, and, oh, keep going. And that's I don't know. I guess it's in all professional sports is that the talent is so large that you know, you're never going to have a team that's that bad. You're never going to have a team that that's good. That's mm-hmm. that good. I guess you know, comparison to. Uh, a college sport, or like college baseball, you probably do have some colleges that have awful, awful win percentages that are within the tens to single digits. So, yeah, the Marlins in that question, like, that's a very, the Marlins are a tricky franchise because they've been bad for so long recently. But when they, I think they came into the league in the nineteen in the nineties, and they won two World Series very quickly when in their first decade. So. That could get a lot of people, but the fact that they haven't been good for so long is a very tricky part of that. Mm, the Miami Marlins would actually be the second worst team yeah. in MLB's history. And then uh, the first season was in 1993, and they have a 46.6% win percentage. So it's not too much better than the Padres. Are the, are the Mets fourth? No, the, the Mets are... So ranking them, they're 22nd, technically. It, like as one being the best or twenty second, mm-hmm. the Padres are thirty. The Miami Orleans are twenty nine. Oh, okay, so I just threw in. I just threw it in to, just to say how bad the Mets are. <laughs> um. So that is baseball. So moving on from there, we'll go to basketball. So the same essential question: Who has? Who is the worst uh, franchise of all time in terms of win percentage in the NBA? Is it A. The Minnesota Timberwolves? B, the Los Angeles Clippers, C, the Brooklyn Nets, or D, the New York Knicks? Again, A, Minnesota Timberwolves, B, Los Angeles Clippers, C, the... No, lost my placement. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, they're also there. They're right there. I don't know how I'm reading the screen. <laughs> and then D, the New York Nets, Knicks. <laughs> hmm. The Nets 
haven't been around for that long, and they had some pretty good seasons. A, Minnesota Timberwolves, B, Los Angeles Clippers, C, Brooklyn Nets, D, New York Knicks. The Timberwolves are tough, too, because they had some really good teams. Uh, I'm going to go with the Clippers. Uh, that is incorrect, but it's actually pretty close. Um, correct answer is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, their first season was the 1989-90 season. They played a total of 2,412 games. Uh, they have a win, wins of 961 and losses of 1,451 with a win percentage of 39.8%. Uh, and the Clippers started in the 1970s, and they have a win percentage of 40.6%, so not that much better. Um, the Nets have a win percentage of 41.7%, and the Knicks have a win percentage, I lost the Knicks, here we are, of 48.6%. Oh. Wow. So, so the Knicks are a good team? Number yeah, the number one is the San Antonio Spurs, and then the number two is the Los Angeles Lakers. Go figure. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently Timberwolves have been pretty bad for, for quite some time. Yeah. What do you think about the talent they've had? They've had good talent. It's just, I guess, they haven't won games. Yeah. Um, they, Kevin Garnett, Kevin, Kevin Love, yeah. uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe they need a guard in there that could really solidify them. <laughs> they had Rick um, Rubio, but he wasn't really in Mm-hmm. And I guess you know the Clippers is a team that I've always thought of as pretty good, but I guess starting starting in the seventies they were really bad until they got that, that trio of Blake Griffin, uh, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan. That's when they really started to become a real franchise. We kind of grew up and, on them being good. Mm-hmm. And then you know, now you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George duo there. So yeah. you know when you think of the Clippers, you think of a good team. But um, so moving on from there, we have football. Um, and the football trivia obviously is going to be the same set of questions. It's going to be, uh, you know, out of, out of all of the NFL, who has the worst win loss percentage of any franchise? Um, and the, here we go. So, A, the Detroit Lions, B, the Cincinnati Bengals, C, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or D, the Los Angeles Chargers? A, Detroit Lions, B, Cincinnati Bengals, C, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or D, the Los Angeles Chargers? I'm going to say the Buccaneers. That is incorrect. Uh, the correct answer is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals, who have an abysmal 26.3% win percentage terrible. over their entire franchise. Very, very bad franchise. Um, you know, when you think of when I think of the Bengals, I think of their best player of all time. I think of like Munoz, maybe, and then like Char- Chad Ochocinco. Outside of that, I can't really think of anybody that's that good. Yeah. Um, that franchise has been, uh, been abysmal for years upon years. Uh, the second worst is the Detroit Lions. They have a 35% win percentage, which is interesting. You know, the Lions have never really been at the top of the creme de la creme of the NFL. They've always been – they were a really good team when they had Barry Sanders, obviously. But um, other than that, you can't really think of too many great Lions teams. Um, top, the Buccaneers were the third worst in, in history at a uh, 40% percentage, and then tied with them is the Los Angeles Chargers, hmm. who have had some pretty good teams. I mean, the Buccaneers' defense with uh, Brooks and, and that group was always really good, and then Los Angeles Chargers with Phillip Rivers. They've been pretty decent, but they haven't, again, it's been to the top. Um, so interesting stuff to see to think about. Hmm. Yeah, like, like Me personally, when I think of the worst franchises in – in football, I definitely think of like the Bengals. That's that's the number one. You know, I kind of think Browns, slightly man. the Browns. The thing is, the Browns were good for so long until they went on the 
on that terrible I don't know how many years run when oh, they had um Jim Brown like yeah, you know yeah. they were they're, you got to think they're one of the oldest franchises in NFL history mm-hmm. so they've had a long history and they've definitely won their fair share of games um Ozzie Newsome you've had there um as as the GM so uh you know a lot of decent stuff with the Cleveland Browns just they haven't been good for the past couple of years so it gives you that that false connotation that they're really bad yeah um, going off of that, that ends our trivia. So moving on from there, we have the NFL, uh, segueing right from the football trivia to the NFL. Um, obviously not a lot of news, some, some interesting news and some, some bad news. Uh, starting with the interesting news, and I guess this is more of a good news. Uh, Roger Goodell announced yesterday that, he, um, he, he wants to open up the, uh, NFL facilities like practice arenas, et cetera, et cetera, um, in, in the states and the areas that allow it. Under, under their current coronavirus laws. Um, and secondary to that, he doesn't want players or coaches there yet. It's only going to be staff members of that facility. Um, should be interesting to see, you know, I guess they're going to start prepping for the players to come back and start having, like, maybe work spaced out workouts, stuff like that. We'll have to see how it turns out. But it's a good news for the NFL. Um, you know, as we go on, it seems like the NFL is probably going to go, probably going to run on schedule for the most part. Not too far off schedule, unlike the NBA and the MLB, obviously. Um, so good news for the NFL. Um, I'm sure Goodell and, and the entire NFL is definitely prepping for the summer and, and putting together a lot of a lot of preparatory work in terms of being able to test players and, and make sure it's for these facilities. And, and when the teams meet again, it doesn't spread like wildfire. Um, but good news for the NFL. And then bad news for the NFL. We have I would I like to call this little segment arrest galore. Uh, so many arrests in the NFL, three within the past, I want to say, 48 hours. It's been quite incredible. Um, the first set of arrests was, which everyone kind of knows, is the cornerbacks, uh, Quentin Dunbar for the Seattle Seahawks. He just signed with them this year. And second year, or he's going to go into his second year, cornerback of the New York Giants, DeAndre Baker. Um, they were both arrested. I want to say if today is Sunday, or I guess they were arrested Friday or Thursday. Um, apparently, they, you know, I guess out of boredom, they started and just – just not making the greatest decisions. They started a gambling ring at their houses. Again, this story is very, very cloudy right now, and we'll learn more about it as time moves on. But um, it seems as if they started gambling rings at their houses. Uh, and they lost quite a significant amount of money, and they tried to rob the people they were gambling with to get the money back. Um, interesting stuff there. We'll have to see what happens. They were released on bail this morning. Um, the judge, his name is Michael Davis. Again, this is out of, this is out of Miramar County in Florida. Uh, the, the bail was set for uh, Dunbar at a hundred thousand, and I believe Baker was at two hundred thousand. Um, so, so far, what they've been charged with, um, Dunbar has four armed robbery charges, and Baker has got four armed robbery charges and four aggravated assault charges, all with a firearm. Um, you know, these charges, a lot of them, but they're going to be compressed down after they get through trial, and they'll, they'll definitely nail him with like one or two charges. We'll have to see how it ends up working out. Um, not sure if DeAndre Baker or nor Quentin Bum Dunbar have a future in the NFL, especially if they're found guilty. Um, kind of disappointed in uh, DeAndre Baker. I feel like the Giants second Baker. That is, you know, in his interviews and such, he's he's never. I want to say he really had a good demeanor. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of saw him as probably somebody. It's a little bit on the wilder side. Um, so it doesn't overly surprise me that if anybody on the Giants was to do something like this, it would be DeAndre Baker. Um, you know, and, you know, just because he, he did 
bad things. Doesn't make him a bad person. It's just obvious that he was not making great choices at the time um, with gambling away seventy thousand dollars as as was claimed. Um, so it's kind of sad to see that the route that they went there. And it should open up the Giants possibly to signing a free agent cornerback like Logan Ryan, who the Jets were kind of set to sign, but it seems like they haven't yeah, signed him yet. I'm not sure what's going on there with Logan Ryan, or the Giants could go pick up you know some of the older veteran quarterback uh, cornerbacks that are available throughout the league. I'll have to see what happens there. And on the other side of arrests, um, beyond on that, we had Al Oliver who got arrested, I believe, this morning for a DWI and unlawfully carriage carriage of a weapon. Um, apparently, he was carrying a weapon that either he wasn't allowed to. You know, details are still cloudy about the arrest, so I don't want to speculate. Um, but he's also a second-year player. He was pretty decent. He was a number. He was a the uh, first overall pick for the Bills last year in last year's draft. Had a pretty decent season there. Um, we'll have to see how. He, I thought he was going to turn into a pretty good defensive tackle. Um, but you know, this is not a good sign. You know, similarly to the to those Chargers, we saw uh, Quint. Um, okay, who was the Jets' the tack, defensive tackle? Quentin. Uh, um, Quentin Williams. Quentin Williams. Yeah, we saw him get weapons charges earlier in the year, and it seems like that didn't really pan out to anything. So, you know, these charges aren't the end of these guys' careers, but it's definitely not a good take on their career. It's not something you want them to see again, obviously. Um, we'll have to see how everything pans out. But I guess you know, my thing was I actually was in a group chat this morning of my friends from my old college, and I was, and they were talking about the arrest, and I said. You know what? I guess uh, quarantine, boredom, and millions of dollars isn't a good thing. Yeah. It's not a good combo. And then one of my friends responds. He goes, "No, it's a great combo if you just don't do stupid things." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, very, very fair point there, right there." <laughs> um, so we'll have to see how all these these stories plan out. But uh, not a good look for the NFL, and not a good look for these players. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. the NFL. I don't want to like generalize, but the NFL always seems to have some. A lot of arrests compared to the other sport leagues, but I, I mean, I don't want to generalize. Yeah, but and I know I definitely agree with you there. And it's it's kind of a byproduct of a couple things. People who play football are more violent; they're a little more That's aggressive than I would say basketball players in general. Um, number one, I think it's one thing. And the sport's a little more aggressive, so you're gonna have a little bit more aggressive people, a little more people that are you know you're getting bonked in the head seventy five times a game. You start to get a couple screws loose. It happens, but. <laughs> Um, I think secondary to that, I want to say that the NFL is less of a player-oriented league and more of a team-oriented league, mm. meaning that in the NBA, right, players get these huge contracts. There's not as many players on the team. There's more of a spotlight on them. There, there's more money for, in it for the players, and there's more involvement in for the players, mm-hmm. you know, between shoe deals and, and et cetera, et cetera, um, where the NFL is more about the team. Um, they don't really get shoe deals. You know, there's not as much money in it for them, so that it, it opens them up to, I guess, where their time is spent is, is doing other things than just MB- the NBA, where as NBA players, again, have all these other things outside of the NBA, as well as the NBA itself is more player-oriented. They pay them more. Um, they're more in the spotlight. So it just, I don't know. For me, I think that's one of the bigger reasons why there's so many more arrests in the NFL. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So we'll go on to NBA, which there's not a lot, but um, some thoughts from Nick on the last dance. Oh, yes. I forgot I wanted to say it. Talk about this. Um, I just saw a clip this morning between The Last Dance and I saw a clip of uh, MJ's flu game narrated by Stuart Scott last night, uh, RIP to him. Um, and I just thought there's always been the speculation around the flu game, whether Michael Jordan was drunk or actually had the flu. And I think after watching The Last Dance, I could firmly say that MJ had the flu and was definitely not hungover. Uh, just, it's not in MJ's character, as you could, you know, yeah. it's. 
when you have such a long documentary about yourself, the more and more you're on camera and the more and more they di- deep dive into your story, it, it's harder to hide who you really are. And the truth is, after watching The Last Dance, it's pretty obvious that MJ was just a pure competitor. Yeah. Um, and he probably, he very, very, very would not have, likely have gotten hung over pre a playoff game. So I think that documentary kind of helps put that to rest and say that MJ's flu game, he actually had the flu and still put up, I believe it was 40 points in that game, which is incredible. Uh, the guy could hardly walk, hardly stand, but he still balled out. Um, absolute goat right there. Yeah. So it makes sense. And that, that, that was all I wanted to say. I just a little bit of an opinion right there based on the last dance that I think MJ's flu game, actually a flu game, not anything else. Yeah. I, I really should watch the last dance. I have a lot of time coming up, so I guess I could do that. But that's really it for basketball stuff. Um, baseball, there's some more to talk about, but also not a lot as has been the pattern in the past few months. Um, so, in terms of baseball, similar to the NBA, um, Rob Manfred said that repeated, being able to repeatedly test these players when sports start is what's going to lead to reopening of baseball. And in terms of the NBA, Adam Silver said the same thing. Um, where's my outline? There we go. Uh, so, there was an interesting article that ESPN put up um, about what baseball economics is going to be like, and was it was for each team really, and so with um, they kind of came out with a projected amount of money uh, baseball would lose for each game that fans didn't attend. So I mean, already they they're not going to have a full season once they come back. I mean, there's no way they're going to do that. It'd probably be seventy five percent or half. I don't know, but already that's a huge chunk of money they're they're going to lose. But for each game that they actually do play and there's no fans, they're going to lose $640,000 per game. So, I mean, that just, if you think about all the teams, all the games they play, um, the concessions, everything, it starts to really add up. Um, And so before the coronavirus turned, I don't want to say even turned really bad because they knew what was coming, but they had made a deal with... um, baseball players that their salary would be prorated um, for, I think it's like the amount of games that they, they're going to miss or something like that. It's, I'm not like an economics major, so it's kind of confusing stuff. But basically, um, with all these new uh, revenue uh, ideas coming out, basically that agreement can't really stand anymore, and they have to kind of figure out how they're going to fix that because they kind of already came to that deal, even though there is a little thing in it that's contingent about the players playing in front of the fans um, during the regular season. So maybe they could use that to get some of that money back. But baseball is going to be really hard hit, and that's kind of one of the main reasons why they haven't come to the union and the Players Association hasn't come to an agreement about when, how and when they want baseball to start again, which has been an issue the past couple of weeks, them trying to come to an agreement. But what I really want to talk about was – um, the projected earnings that each team's going to lose. Um, I guess I'll talk about, I guess, the first five teams. So the Yankees are going to end up losing $312 million. Um, let me just – projected team earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation. And um, I don't know what amortization is. Do you know what amortization is? Okay. I have no clue. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so basically – this is based off if they have an 82-game season um, with no fans in the ballparks. Uh, this is basically how much money each team is going to lose. 
And the top five teams, so it's kind of obvious. So the Yankees are going to lose $312 million. Dodgers are going to use two, lose $232 million. Mets are going to use, lose $214 million. The Cubs are going to lose $201 million. And the Red Sox are going to lose $199 million. So if you really look at that, those are like five of the teams that probably make some of the most amount of money in baseball. And they're going to be losing a significant amount of money, which just adds to the issue of being able to play um, the players, the salaries that they had agreed upon because they're not going to really have the money to do that. So that's a situation that has to be worked out for baseball to really start again. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, um, similar to the NFL draft, uh, baseball is planning to do a remote draft June 10th to the 11th. And it was reported, I think, like two weeks ago now. Um, actually, no, last week. That it would be shrunken from 40 rounds to five rounds, which... I haven't really read up on that, but that seems like that's a significant um, amount of rounds lost and amount of players that could make it to baseball. And I really wonder what went into them going from 40 to five rounds. Um, But that's besides the point. What I really want to talk about. So it's basically going to do the same thing that the NFL draft did. There's going to be no draft rooms. Um, It'll just be uh, the president and general manager. Um, they're probably gonna, they're gonna, they said they're gonna do the video clips like, uh, football did, um, and have them on camera with no audio. So, that should be interesting. I don't think, the baseball draft, we talked about this before, is probably one of the more boring drafts out there, so no one really, is really gonna watch it. Um, which is also a reason why I'm surprised they shrunk it, because, I mean, you could just do the, the last 35 rounds without anyone watching, but... Um, that's all the baseball news. I don't know, Nick, do you have any opinions on any of that? Uh, yeah, I think personally that the shrinkage of the baseball season this year is actually going to be a good thing for baseball. And here's why. Uh, as, as pretty much, I think it's well documented at this point, that baseball is more of a dying sport in America. It's, you know, it's, it's fan base has decreased as well as its following and, and the revenue that has produced over the years has decreased, um, you know, steadily. And I think a, a reason for that being is that the season and the draft is, is all too long. The, the MLB is too widespread. In 162 games, it's a lot of games. It, it, it reduces the significance of, of, you know, individual games. Where in the NBA, you know, pretty much every game counts towards the playoffs. Where in the MLB, if you lose five in a row, all right, let's win the next five in a row. Um, and, 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 you know, I think that that draws away from fan, you know fans that aren't as into the games you know super fans like you yeah. and, and and me who really who really enjoyed the Mets and the Yankees and etc cetera, etc cetera, are really are going to watch each game because we love to see baseball and we love to see the sport but the the fans that are kind of you know half in I like the team I don't love to watch them every single night because there's so many games so what if I miss this one I think that's going to help drive viewership up um number one because people are going to go, okay, well, this game counts for more than this last games. Yeah. Uh, number two, people have been in quarantine for so long. I think that they're going to want to watch a sport, particularly baseball, mm. um, especially because it's the sport. It's going to be one of the major sports in season right now when everything opens back up. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be more watched that for that reason. And second, and then tertiary or third to that, I would say in terms of stadiums. You know, I think there's a lot of speculation that people are going to not want to go back to stadiums, and I, I'm kind of thinking the opposite. I'm kind of thinking when when people get the AOK from the government, whoever's whoever makes the final decision, I think that people are really going to want to go back 
to going to see the sports sports games. I think they're going to have a bigger crowd than they're projecting as of right now. Um, so I think it's going to reduce their costs, but I think their profits are going to are going to even out. And I think those projections in terms of their losses are going to be not as big as they yeah. think. Um, and I think overall it's just going to be a good trial run for the MLB. What if we did shorten the season? Yeah. What if we shortened everything? What if we got rid of a 40 rounds and only made it five so people will watch the five rounds because those five rounds are going to be way more important rather than the 40 rounds that nobody wants to sit through? Um, you know, I think it's going to be a good trial run for the MLB to to see, you know, if we do this, will our profits slash viewership go up? Yeah. Uh, you know, we won't, we'll have to wait and see how it goes. But again, I just think it'll be a good trial run for them. I mean, it was only, I, I feel like in the next like 10 years, there was going to be some time where they decided let's cut down the season. And although it was for a bad reason, this is like a perfect opportunity for them to test it out and see mm-hmm. what comes of it. Because the 162 game, the 162 games is just way too much, and to the point where me being a super fan, there's times where I don't even want to watch. Like when it gets into like July and August, where the games really don't count at all, there's points where I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like sitting in front of a TV for three and a half hours and watching the Mets play. Yeah, hundred percent. Because if they're if a team's out of the playoffs left, and there's forty games left, you know that's that's forty games of revenue that your team's missing out on. Versus in the NBA, where it's you know almost down in the last five games, whether a team makes the playoffs mm-hmm. or not. You know, a team that is in the last place in their conference in the NBA can still make the playoffs within the last twenty games of the season. Yeah. So it's worth watching. Versus the MLB, where you again you have that such a big range of, of teams and, and win loss records and how 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 to get into the playoffs. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's probably like the perfect opportunity for baseball to figure mm-hmm. some things out, which is in a bad situation, but a perfect opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. So that's basically it for baseball. Um, some college stuff to talk about. Not really, but... Yeah, yeah not really. Uh, so not really any news. It's more just uh, pretty much the class of 2020 for sports in general has graduated for college. Um, I just want to say congratulations to the class of 2020. Uh, losing a lot of great athletes in, in, in 2020 due to graduation. Like, uh, first person that comes to the top of my head is Miles Powell from Seton Hall. Uh, great great guard for them for so long, for all four years he was there. He, he killed it. Um, so it's kind of sad to see him go, even though it's good for Nova because he killed us every single year, so it's good to see him go. But other than that, um, you know, in terms of that, but it's sad to see him go because he was such a great competitor and such a great player. Uh, so congratulations to the class of 2020. Um, that pretty much covers college stuff for the week. Um, other than that, in terms of controversial topic, it's still the coronavirus for now. Um, there's not too many arguments coming out about anything. It's kind of just reopenings. That's, that's kind of what we're getting into now. Um, some interesting stuff, though, in terms of the reopenings. It's like there's this constant debate between like freedom and, and not allowing the disease to spread. And I just think that it's a really interesting topic. And Again, I don't think there's a correct answer to that, as I've said a, a million times now. Um you know, like I, I believe the the governor of California said he was not going to open up California until they found a cure. Yeah, not fully. And it's just like, up. yeah, and it's just like, what are what are they going to do if they don't find a cure? Yeah. And you know, coronavirus it, it likely you're not going to find a, a cure for it for quite some time now. So you're just going to keep everything closed. You know, what what validity did he say that? Was he just saying it to like exaggerate the fact that you know we're going to be very very cautious about reopening? Yeah. Which, which I expect that's more along, along the lines of what he meant. Um, but, I don't know, it's just interesting to see, like, the back and forth between do we reopen, do we wait? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, I believe we're almost at 90,000 deaths as of today. 
Um, so, you know, it's been, the disease has been pretty significant, you know, and, and, and keeping it in, again, 9,000 deaths is a lot of deaths, but let's put this in relative terms. Let's, let's frame it, right? Uh, the flu causes somewhere between 50 and 70,000 deaths a year in the U.S. So 90,000 deaths is more than the flu. So, te- you know, looking at it, it's worse than the flu. Um, you know, it's spread faster than the flu. However, we don't know if it's deadlier than the flu, particularly because, again, so many people have it. We don't know who does and who doesn't. You know, until we have better, proper, uh, better, properly working antibody tests and are able to test people, we'll see how many people had it versus how many people uh, unfortunately passed away from it, and we'll be able to see the mortality rate at its whole. And that's going to, you know, take a lot of time to do. Um, but I think it's necessary to, to really get a, a, you know, I think it's very important after all this calms down to really get a understanding of what happened and mortality rate and testing for antibodies and figuring out the, the amount of antibodies you need to to be you know be labeled immune to to coronavirus is going to be important um a lot of th- interesting things going forward um it's nice to see some things open back up i believe the beaches in new york are set to open up really soon so that should be interesting um i believe it's memorial day weekend is, is, is when they're planning to do it um so should be interesting um, other than that, not much news. Brian, do you have any comments, concerns? No. All right, yeah, pretty uh, pretty short podcast for today. and Very, very little news this week, unfortunately. All right, so I guess final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, I'm just glad that we're getting some things back to normal, even though it's taking a lot of time. And it seems like the disease is, is, is slowing down throughout the entire country, which is good. Um, hope you guys are still happy and safe and healthy. Um, I just finished my EMT final for the class that I'm taking. It was 500 questions, uh, four hours. It was very, very painful. When you get to those four, those four hundreds, you're like, I'm fried. I can't even, I can't even think right now. Let's just get this over with. So, um, I was glad to pass that and get that over with. Uh, still got to do like the actual physical portion of the, of the class, which is like, you know, um, definitely got to practice before I go take a real to become a real EMT. I definitely need to practice like my CPR and stuff because I I can do it. I just don't think I'm definitely at a level where it's like if if I'm in your ambulance, I want I want to I want to be be able to treat you properly. I don't want it to be like oh I'm pretty good. No, I want to be able to do it and do it right. So um, you know I think I'm at the point where I could definitely like pass EMT exam, but I just I definitely want to feel comfortable with with my abilities. So you know, I, you know not only do I got to finish the the physical portion of the class in terms of like learning how to take patients out of cars, et cetera, et cetera, but also just like me practicing myself is something I want to focus on. I'm um, kind of done with everything for right now. Still looking for a job. Not much going on, just kind of chilling. I really don't know what the future holds. You know, I'm not really pressing to find a job too hard right now because people are still opening back up, and I'm 100% sure people are not trying to hire people right now, especially with the economy and the way it is, and I'm more focused on how they're handling their business without hiring new people, so I'm definitely waiting to see what I can find. Um so we'll see what happens. Um, other than that, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to contact me at my Instagram at nick.horvath. Um, you can find me on my Twitter at nickhorvath61. Or you can contact me on my email at nicholashorvath10 yahoo.com. Um, stay safe, guys. Um, hope your family and everyone around you is still healthy. Uh, other than that, talk to you guys next week. I'll hand it over to Brian. Thank you for listening. Um, so I have one more assignment left before I guess officially college is over for my sophomore year. Um, probably by the time this is posted, I'll be done with college. So you guys can congratulate me in, in the DMs like you guys always do. Um, other than that, I'm planning to be posting 
basically my whole day is going to be spent around working on the sport universe after college is done. So the way that I'm thinking things are going to go, we're going to be posting some cinematics on TikTok. Um, the account's already live, so it's the sport universe on TikTok. No dots in it because we got the name before anyone took it. Yes, uh, sir. <laughs> uh, so no, no dots in it. That's where I left off on that. Um, in terms of the schedule, I'm thinking I might be posting highlight videos every day. Um, and then react still Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Um, but highlight videos every day, because I'll have time to do that. And I'm also going to be opening up um, the Met Universe. It's kind of like a trial run for what we want to do in the future is possibly have some uh, team-based Instagrams and YouTubes. So it's kind of like a trial run for that, seeing how that would work out. So I'm going to open up a Mets YouTube and a Mets Instagram. Um, I'll probably put that up on the Sport Universe Instagram so you guys can find that there. Uh, but other than that, that's really it. Um, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Let us know what you thought of this. You can DM us. Um, check out our videos on YouTube, articles on our website, point of views on our Instagram, cinematics, and whatnot on our Instagram. Uh, if you have any interest writing for us, editing videos, or any other way you think you can help us, contact us at sportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.